Everybody, how are y'all? Y'all, I'm married to a, uh, a lady from Kentucky, and once in a while I got to speak her language, so uh, y'all. Well, hey, it is uh, so great to have each one of you here today. I know there are lots of choices, places you could be, but you've chosen to be here, so thank you. Uh, if you are visiting with us, we hope you feel uh, welcomed by everybody who's here, but then most importantly, uh, that you're beginning to uh, just sense that God has something in store for your life uh, that maybe you did not, not come in recognizing that God wants to do within you. And so I uh, can't wait to see how the Lord uh, works, uh, works in you. A couple of things I want to share with you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, so at the very, very beginning of the year, I was talking to Pastor Taylor, who's our, uh, our children's pastor, talking with him, and he let me know a couple of Sundays ago that 32 children raised their hands indicating that they would like to follow after Jesus. Come on now, folks. We're seeing some incredible things happen here at Life Church, and so excited to see that, especially when our children uh, start recognizing and they're presented with the gospel and they respond to that. Really fantastic. Uh, and then a couple of weeks ago as, as well uh, for Iglesia Vida, uh, there were 400 people, children, uh, uh, children, youth, and adults that were part of Iglesia Vida a couple of Sundays ago. And we rejoice in what God is doing in Iglesia Vida through our Spanish ministry here. And so, man, praising God for all that he's doing here uh, at Life Church. You're in a good place. If you're looking for a place to kind of put your roots in, this is a great place. And then I do want to thank everybody for joining us uh, during the week of prayer. We had, uh, we had those videos going on uh, each day, and it was very funny. Uh, pastor Taylor, again, our children's pastor, I had told everybody, I said, hey, keep, keep those to like you know, 10 to 15 minutes just because we all have things going on. I just want to join for a short prayer time. I didn't even heed my own words. I went like 19 minutes. And then uh, whoever was second, I think went like, like 14. Pastor John and Karen, they went like right at that 10-minute mark right there. Then Pastor Taylor hops in, 28 minutes is how long he went. So he said, this is what you get for somebody who's never done the live Facebook, Facebook Live thing again, and he likes to talk. And uh, so that's, uh, those two were a good, good combination there. Uh, but just so excited to see what God's doing. So thank you for joining us in prayer. And here's the thing. It's a new normal for us. And so prayer life should be a new normal for you. Uh, and taking that time and all those folks who signed up uh, to, to pray for an hour during the week of prayer, my hope and prayer is, is that you realize, oh, that wasn't that hard to do. And it becomes for you now something that you just do as, a, as part of the routine, as part of just being a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, that your prayer life has taken a leap forward uh, this last week. So this week, um, well, let me start it this way. The son walked up a long road to his home. He'd walked on that road many, many times before. Uh, most of the time, however, he wasn't alone, and this time he was. Uh, many, many times he'd be there with his dad or maybe his brother and, and enjoying the land that was there, and uh, he came from a, a wealthy household. And he begins making his way up the road after a long absence, um, absence of time. And as he walked, it was, it was like the burden of his return just kind of weighed down on him, and his steps became slower and slower. He began remembering the choices that he had made that led to this point. Uh, it all started one day when he went to his dad and said, Dad, I would like my inheritance now. I want it now. I don't want to wait till you're dead. I'm going to almost pretend that you're dead now, so can you just go ahead and give me what's owed to me as your son? The dad gives him his inheritance, and the son goes off and lives a lifestyle that he felt like he deserved to live, <laughs> right? He had new wealth, 
Along with that new wealth came new friends. Uh, Sometimes those two things go hand in hand, uh, right? But as soon as all that wealth was gone, what happened to the friends? They're gone. And so now he finds himself, prior to this, he finds himself doing something that even the lowest within his society uh, would ever want to do. He is now feeding pigs, which were animals that he did not want anything to do with. He kind of came to his senses at some point in there, and and he realizes, hey, in the household where I used to be a part of, where I pretended now that my dad is dead, even the servants are treated better than I am right now. Let me go back. Have you ever rehearsed uh, the words that you're going to speak to somebody after you've offended them and you want to try to rebuild that relationship up? Um, I know I have. You play those words over and over again, and you start thinking scenarios. You start going, okay, if they say this, this is how I'm going to respond. And if then I respond like that, they're probably going to respond like this. And so now I need to think about that, right? I mean, you start rehearsing. Anybody with me, right? You do that. You just kind of walk through. That's hopefully, hopefully you do that. That's very smart, by the way, to do that. Um, But he's rehearsing what he's going to say to his dad. The story that he tells is basically along these lines. He's going to say, Father, I've made a terrible choice. I I wanted you dead in my heart, but because of those choices, I have ended up with nothing. Let me be a slave in your household. Anything is better than what I've chosen. Then there's the wonder as you rehearse it and you come up with the lines that you feel like are the right thing, you wonder how those lines are going to be received by the other person. What will his dad do? How, how will his, the, the family respond? How will his mom, how, how will the other servants that are there respond to this? So this long walk continues, the rehearsed lines echoing more loudly the closer he gets to the edge of the property, the vast property of abundance. And he sees the home in the distance. He's feeling that sense of agony. He's probably on an emotional edge at this point. He dares not even look up for shame, guilt. Thinking to himself, what's the next step? What what do I have to do? I, I can't take that next step. You know, I've talked with parents whose children have stories like this. And I have talked to adults who this is their story as well. Choices made that lead to an an unfortunate outcome and then wanting to return maybe back to family, wanting to return back to a, a, a faith in God. And I really think that this story that I just told in the beginning of it, we're gonna get back to it in a minute, um, that this story is our story. That we can put ourselves in the shoe of, uh, shoes of this young man making decisions. When you get right in the middle of it, you go, oh boy, I didn't think this through. It's kind of like when I started my Bronco back years ago and I took it all apart. Then I realized, oh, now I got to put it back together. <laughs> it sat for 13 years in my garage. That's exciting. Um, it could be that we have left physically to go somewhere just like this young man did. It could be that we left emotionally from a marriage. It could be that we left, our kids are just so frustrating to us that we just kind of left the kids to the wolves and you're like, that's better right now than what I'm feeling towards them, right? You leave those relationships. 
What we're, looking, what we're looking for in this moment is something central to this whole Christian thing. It's what this young man was maybe hoping for, knowing that he didn't deserve it. Sometimes after we have screwed up and made decisions and we hope for this, it's central because without it, there really is no hope. This thing we're ultimately longing for in moments like this, in moments of our story, is one word, grace. It's grace. Here's the definition of grace. is the undeserved favor of God, and this obviously is on the theological side. It's the undeserved favor of God to those who deserve condemnation. So some of that in there is tough for us, for those who deserve condemnation, because that doesn't feel good to us in our culture. Our culture does not recognize often that we are deserving of condemnation. Our culture celebrates, in fact, things that deserve condemnation. <laughs> so grace, when, well, when you know you've done wrong, this is where grace comes into play. What do you have to do to receive grace? It's a huge question that deeply influences how we view God. Uh, for some of us, our families are probably the first example of this very issue of grace, of receiving grace. As parents, we shape, parents, hear me out on this one, uh, we shape much of our children's view of God. I hope you take that seriously. My children's view of God is largely in part due to how I have treated them, how I've loved them, honored them, and when I make mistakes, I feel it. And so our, our children look at us as parents, and we, we present to them, obviously not a full view, we present to them a partial view of who God is, and our, and our kids look at God as, you know, through the lens of, of their parents. When you messed up as a child, even doing something deserving of punishment, how did your parents go about it? How many of you deserve punishment as a child? Anyone? Some of you didn't. Wow, that is fantastic. <laughs> Can I have your parents' number and let me call them? Uh, got a picture here. This is the proverbial, right? The cookie jar, hand in the cookie jar. Anybody ever been punished for literally putting your hand in the cookie jar? Good for you. I love it. I love it. Uh, the, so our, our children, as parents, there, there are times of uh, deterrence for our children. And uh, when it comes to their behaviors, I remember receiving the belt uh, when I was younger. Uh, I know that that is uh, in disfavor in today's world, understandably so. Uh, but in the 70s, uh, that was uh, welcomed. And it wasn't only your parents who could do it. It was the neighbors who could do that as well. <laughs> so there's a physical deterrence, right, for things you've done wrong. Your hand caught in the cookie jar, physical deterrence. There's also emotional deterrence that happen as well that can be very, very negative. And sometimes, parents, it's very, very easy to go into the realm of ridicule towards your children and to ridicule them for the decisions that they have made. Uh, you, you knew better than this. Why did you do that? It's like, it's like we, talk, we talk to our dog that way. You knew better than this, Watson. I'm ridiculing you right now. Sometimes we respond in isolation. Go to your room. I had one daughter who welcomed that. <laughs> she's very much introverted. She's like, oh, good, thank you. She would do things wrong so she could be sent to her room. That was... We figured that out late in the game. Um, 
Other times there's a negotiation that happens between parents and children. Don't let me get to three. One, two, two and a half, right? Parents, you've done that before, right? There's a negotiation that starts happening with your kids. Grace, do we respond to our children in grace? Undeserved and unexpected. So instantly when I start talking about grace, I think sometimes we... we, um, we go to the extreme where then there's no accountability for decisions made, right? So we understand that there is truth and grace. Uh, we're going to talk about that here. Well, as a matter of fact, John 1:14 says this, and the word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. So Jesus full of grace and truth. So there's the, the two sides of the coin, right? There, there are times when you've done something wrong, there's accountability, there have to be uh, consequences for it, but oftentimes the grace is missed in our interactions. And it says, from his fullness, we've received grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. Isn't this the God that we love? extended so much to us. So from Jesus, we've received grace upon grace because Jesus is full of grace. He alone is the source of God's grace. We can't earn it. We can't steal it. It is only Jesus to give, and he gives in abundance. Uh, I read this the other day. Donald Guthrie wrote this. He said, the more one experiences of grace, the more grace multiplies. I really like that. When grace has been given to you, something happens within you and you begin to recognize, oh, I can now give this grace. But does the Bible say that that's the way that it works? Oftentimes, there's a disconnect between what we've received and what we live in the world around us. Religion, uh, where you have to earn some sort of grace, religion uh, has a tendency to look down at others and down on yourself and down, down, down. Religion, because I'm better than you because look what I do. Relationship with God is radically different because it's look what I've received. (laughs) Look what I've received. I don't deserve any of this, but look what I've received. So there's a flow of grace that happens, and this flow of grace is is from God or from Jesus to me, to others. So to me, that says that there can be a blockade in this grace thing. Where's the blockade? It's not God, (laughs) and maybe others haven't received it yet, so where's the blockade? The blockade happens here in me. Because God has extended grace to the world around us, how do we then extend grace that we have received to the world? So sometimes we receive the grace of God for ourselves, but then withhold it from others. I can think of times in my own life when I've done that. Boy, and there are some times in a weird sort of way uh, that we, we are unable to receive the grace of God from God because you feel so undeserving and somehow you're able to extend grace to other people, but you've missed 
that relational component with God, and there's something missing in that relationship with him. Uh, so what is grace? I don't really know this. We'll see if this works or not. Um, so this is grace. Uh, anybody ever go boating? Right? Uh, one of the things you're supposed to do when you boat is put this on when you get into the boat, right? That's the first thing you should, before you get away from the dock, this is good safety. I know somebody who did, didn't put these on right away, right? Because you think, I'm a good swimmer, I can do this thing. And so if something happens, you end up out of the boat, which has happened from time to time, uh, then what, is, what does somebody do with this or some other device? What do they do? They throw it out. Who can I throw this to? Who, who, who's a good cow? Oh, yeah, like I can make it all the way back there. Holy cow. I'm going to throw it here to Natasha. She's close to me. So you throw it out there, and then you don't have to put it on. But then, you know, so this is, this is grace. Maybe by her own choice, she hopped out of the boat and said, I can do this, realize I'm in over my head, struggling there. Grace is extended to her. Grace and nothing else. Here, this is grace, right? This represents the grace. So can you give this back to me real quick? I want to receive back your grace. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm not going to die now. Okay, so, so this represents grace. It's given to us, every one of us who've received Jesus Christ in our life, every one of us choosing to follow after receiving that, you know, through faith, following after him, we've received this. But oftentimes, I think we misunderstand grace and we want to add to it. So anytime you add anything to grace, it is no longer grace. So what does this look like for us in this place right now? Some of you feel this way. In order for you to receive grace of the, the grace of God, you have to attend church. And it's like a plus one. Have you ever gone like to, got invited to go somewhere and you got a plus one? <laughs> you know, it's my plus one or whatever. Um, sometimes you feel like with grace, there has to be a plus one. But as soon as you do that, as soon as your relationship with God goes down the line of, okay, God, I'm checking the box that I attended church on Sunday morning, therefore, I'm now worthy of your grace. It is no longer grace. God, because I prayed for an hour today, I'm now worthy of your grace. That's a plus one. Here's what this looks like. So this is grace plus one. What happens if I were to throw this to Natasha, which I'm not going to do? Okay. <laughs> there you go. Catch. <laughs> right? What is this saying? This is saying, I hope you drown. Grace plus anything says, I hope you drown. So what do we extend to our neighbors when we're talking with them, hopefully? I hope you talk to your neighbors. It's a good thing. <laughs> Some people look at me like, what? Talk to my neighbors, right? Invite your neighbors over for dinner. Whatever you need to do when you talk to your neighbors or your coworker and all that, how do you describe grace? As soon as you start saying it's anything other than the unmerited favor, I deserve punishment, I deserve condemnation, but Jesus has come into my life and given me all the grace I could ever imagine. As soon as you go outside of that, this is what we're doing to the people around us. Because we're extending something that says, hey, you've got to measure up before God will love you. How many of you are glad you didn't have to measure up before God loved you? How many of you are glad you still, to this day, don't have to measure up in order for God to love you? <laughs> right? Because, folks, we are, we are captured in a world around us that wants to add to grace. 
Uh, oh, man, I got so much to say. Um, we might have to break this in two parts. There's just so much going on here. Uh, Hebrews 4.16 says this. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy or receive grace and find grace to help in time of need. This throne is where Jesus is. This throne is where God is, and it says because of our relationship with Jesus that we can approach this throne with boldness and receive from him grace. So how does grace look in the life of a believer? I think a great place to go is uh, Paul. Uh, Paul was a mess. If you look at the way Paul was before Jesus, he was a mess. He's trying to persecute the church. He's standing there when Stephen in Acts chapter 7 is being martyred. He's standing there giving his approval. I mean, he is a, he is a bad dude who looks really good on the outside. <laughs> his grace has all sorts of things attached to it that he's receiving from God, right? And he's drowning. And this is what he says, and, and listen to how he deals with this idea of grace. For I am the least of the apostles, he says in 1 Corinthians 15. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, this is interesting, he says, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. So do you catch this about work and grace? Paul has it right. He received grace, having done nothing other than Jesus knocking him off his horse, <laughs> done nothing, he receives grace from Jesus, and because he's received grace, he now works. It's not the other way around. How much do we want to work to receive grace it becomes a plus one and we drown rather than receive grace because of who Jesus is, not because of what we have done. So remember this whole flow of grace earlier, God from God to me to others. We see this clearly displayed in Paul. Um, he, he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, for we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. As grace extends. I love that phrase. The question is, how is grace extending through us? How are we extending grace to this world around us that so desperately needs it? So this is what it looks like. Romans 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They, who's they? All, everyone, including us, they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are justified freely. That word justified there, another way to think about it is just as if I'd never sinned. That's kind of the idea of justified, just as if I'd never sinned. We are justified not through anything we've done, but only through the grace of Jesus Christ. 
Ephesians 2 says this, for, the, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Remember, grace is what animates our work. <laughs> work does not animate God's grace in our life. We've got to get that right. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up here as we uh, close out. So the young man felt the weight was increasing with every step. You see, his father was a man of action. His father was somebody who was very, very successful business-wise. Uh, there, there, there are, you know, he had, um, he had uh, employees in his home. He had a, a large family, and he was taking care of business. His family respected him. And this young man knew that he had deeply offended his dad, deeply offended uh, his family, deeply offended even those who worked for him. He was going to give his life to become a slave, treated as a slave due to the decisions that he had made, the shame that he had, had brought. He just knew that the return was going to be painful and hurtful and potentially even rejected. He knew that that was a potential outcome. His, uh, his downcast eyes missed the first move movement, though. From down the road came a figure who was running towards him, picking up speed. <laughs> well, this is what it says. Jesus tells the story in Luke chapter 15. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And I love it because the father cuts him off. He had rehearsed more to the statement. He was going to say, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your slaves. I'll be fine with that because anything is better than what I had. His father cuts him off, and I love that. His father said to the servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost in his family. That, my folks, is grace. Undeserved. This young man deserved a whole lot worse than that. <laughs> there are those of you who are here today that long to have our Father in Heaven do the same thing in your life. To say something along the lines of that are grace-filled words that say, nothing you have ever done will make me love you less. Nothing you have ever done will make me love you less. Nothing. Do we realize that that grace is available to us? You don't have to do anything other than receive the grace that he's willingly giving. The culture around us at times puts weights upon those who are trying to believe and trying to figure this thing out, but we as followers of Christ have, have grace that's given to us before anything else. This is the freedom that we 
invite you to stand to your feet really quickly. You're here this morning, and every head bowed, every head closed for just a moment. You're here this morning, and you would say, Pastor, I need grace in my life. I need it extended to me right now because... like I have to work in order for God to love me. I feel like I have to add one, but I am drowning. I'm drowning in this. And you say, Pastor, I want the grace of God in my life. I know I can't do anything to earn it. I know I can't do anything to make God love me. I just have to receive it, and it's hard for me, but I want to receive today the grace of God. And that's you this morning to say, Pastor, I want to receive that grace of God. For some of you, it's a first-time decision. You've never chosen to receive from Jesus Christ what he's given freely. Others of you, you recognize that you have added something to grace, and you are miserable in your faith because you can't measure up, and you need to be free to receive the grace of God this morning. If that's you, can I just get you to lift your hand up to the Lord right now? Thank you. Especially those, this is your first time saying, I know that I've got to receive the grace of Jesus in my life. Thank you. Keep your hand raised for just a moment. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do for those who raise your hand. And by the way, you're not alone. There are many, many hands that were raised. Um, we receive grace that is absolutely free, right? And so the next thing I'm going to ask you to do, it's not earning anything, okay? But what it is, this is a point for you to just say, I mean business when it comes to this decision. I don't want it to be something that just kind of sits here and then I move on, but this is what I, I mean business by this decision. If that is you and you would say, yes, I want to take that next step, I'm going to invite you to come down. We've got our prayer team as well that will be coming down with you. And so if you can come on down, if you raised your hand for any reason this morning, come on down. If you're in the balcony, come on down on the sides. Many of you raise your hand. You're not alone. So begin coming on down at this point, including our prayer team. Go ahead and come on down. So if you raised your hand, there are a lot of you. Thank you. Come on down. Thank you. Lots of you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, if you're in the balcony and you raise your hand, come on down. We'd love to have an opportunity to pray with you. Come on down the front. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come on down. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray and just ask God's blessing. And uh, on this moment, right, as we make these decisions, we say, Jesus, I want to receive grace from you. Come on down from the balcony there. A couple more here in the front. invite you to, uh, for everyone who's here today, and then especially these who are up front, I'm going to invite you to pray with me just a very, very simple prayer. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I receive from you grace. I can't do anything to earn it. I don't deserve it, but you extend it to me, and I receive it. Jesus, thank you transforming my life, for forgiving my sins, and setting me on a new path. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we give a hand to these who have made this decision. Thank you, guys.
before you guys go, here's what I want to do. Our, um, our prayer team, they've got, um, they've got uh, books, uh, which are basically the book of John, plus a couple of other uh, helps in there. They're going to make sure that you get those. In there is a green card. And if you could do me a favor, if you haven't filled one of those out before, I know we've got a couple of people over here that might need um, these books. If you have not um, filled out a green card before, it's basically about a decision that you make for Jesus. We want to help you uh, with that. Second thing is at the very end here, this is a new tool that I want to extend to everybody can take advantage of this. Um, if you text 74574, uh, really to help you on these, this first month of your journey with Jesus, uh, there's a series of podcasts we want to uh, make available to you to help you out in these initial stages of this decision uh, that you're making. And anybody can take advantage of that. And uh, amen. Okay, God's a good God. All right, make sure you get a Bible and then you can go ahead and be seated because there's one thing that I need to, uh, need to talk about really quickly here uh, before we go. And so thank you. Have, have a seat. I know a few people already took off. extra little moment here. All right. I just want to read a statement for you. For you, um, just uh, many of you might be aware of what I'm going to uh, talk about here in just a second, um, because it's, it is out there already on Facebook and things like that, as it should be. But let me go ahead and just read this statement to you and just give a couple of brief comments. In 2016, Life Church Tooele was born out of a commitment and faithfulness of many people who had dedicated themselves to a gospel-centered church in Tooele, and that church had been around for many, many decades. Uh, the most previous pastor was uh, uh, led by Pastor Bill Upton, and in 2016, in June, I believe it was, or July of 2016, Life Church Tooele was birthed out of that church that was already there. The church was in a, a position uh, where it was struggling, and uh, Life Church Utah, uh, through a series of conversations, came alongside of that church, and uh, they were invited in to become part of the Life, Life Church family. For the past three and a half years, initially under the leadership of Pastor Jim Ayers and now myself as lead pastor of Life Church Utah, Pastor Dustin and Heather have led the church into new health, new, new influence, new opportunities in the city of Tooele and surrounding communities. In that time, Life Church Tooele has become healthier and stronger. As they have grown and the church with them, a transition is upon us. Uh, and for us here at the West Valley Campus, next Sunday will be Pastor Dustin and Heather's uh, last Sunday as pastors in, uh, in Life Church Utah, and then particularly uh, with, uh, with Life Church Tooele. Uh, so we're going to have a time next Sunday to thank them. They, they were here for about 11 and a half years uh, prior to heading out to Tooele. So those of you who've come in the last three or four years might not really know uh, Pastor Dustin and Heather, but those have been around for a while. You know them and the value that they brought uh, to the family of God uh, here at Life Church. So we want to give them an opportunity to, uh, uh, to be thanked and to be able to honor them. And so we'll have a, uh, a reception for them uh, here at the church next Sunday. Pastor Dustin, Dustin and Heather... Um, they uh, send their regards and love, and today they're in uh, at, at uh, Life Church Tooele, uh, saying uh, kind of farewell to that community that they are uh, so close to. And the next week they will be with us. Uh, certainly, spread the word uh, to people that know them uh, for next Sunday for them to uh, be a part of that. We'll have an opportunity to pray for them as a body of Christ and to be able to send them out for the next steps that God has uh, for them. And uh, we know that God has used them powerfully in the lives of so many, and very excited at what God has to do in the next step for them. So 
next week, um, certainly uh, be, we'll be in prayer for them here. Uh, continue to pray for Life Church Utah. Obviously, there'll be a season of transition uh, at Life Church Tooele, and then you know finding a pastor to fill that role. And uh, as we do that, I really, really covet your prayers uh, for that next step. Uh, God's already started something great in Tooele, and we want to see that continue with further influence. So thank you, guys. God bless you. Let me do one final benediction if you want to stand to your feet one final time. Father, we thank you so much for today. God, I thank you that you are a God who is filled with grace. And Lord, that grace that's given to us, Lord, help us to extend it to the world around us. God, let us never add to your grace. Let us never add expectations that you have never uh, done in our own lives. God, let us not cause people to drown under the weight of grace plus one. But God, help us to extend grace, the grace that we have so freely been given in our lives. Lord, we love you. We praise you, give you all the glory and all the honor this day. Bless this congregation as they walk out, Lord. Help them, Lord Jesus, to uh, do exactly what it says in Hebrews, God, that we're able to approach that throne of grace with boldness. Help us to live boldly for the kingdom of God. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week when we finish out our series.